The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, we did a lot of work and more of it perhaps coming crashing down yesterday. I mean, the injuries right now. Oof. I'll tell you what. It wasn't so much that... You know, I think the reason that the Trey Young one hit me right in the gut yesterday was that my team was sort of hanging on. I think, I like, I know this is about me and not about the community at large, but for some reason, that's the one that really sunk in. And it wasn't even COVID season related. It was just landing on an ankle. But that knocked out another first-round pick. Kawhi Leonard already down. Uh, James Harden already down. Anthony Davis coming back, but... He hasn't been playing for a long time. We are down quite a few first-round picks at the moment. KD was a second-round pick. He's down. What a pain in the neck, you know? What a pain. I know Trey's season actually hasn't really had him at a first-round clip, but look, you took him there. So another injury, another day gone by, and we will try to pick up the pieces as best we can and see if we can survive this thing. If you have him on your team, try to figure it out. I mean, here's the thing. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. I will use the same example I've used before on this show. My opponent in a head-to-head format, who, by the way, I know you're listening out there. (laughs) He's down Harden and was down Damian Lillard. Harden suddenly out for a few weeks. Dame came back. And then I lost Trey Young and Zach Levine was down from last week. And there are other guys that are out on both sides, but... He didn't give up. He's fighting because you just never know. And suddenly his opponent, me, lost my first round pick. So my advice to all of you guys is keep fighting. You never know what can happen. Your opponent could have a key player go down. You might get a guy back sooner than expected. Or you might get news that he's just not coming back. And at least you can turn that roster spot into something else. So keep fighting. Hopefully overnight you guys are able to sleep on it. Be annoyed, and then come back today ready to go get it. That's what we're going to do on the podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan from Hoopball, which might also direct you to Hoopball, which the website there is hoop-ball.com, Twitter handle for our benevolent overlords. I love that term. I, for one, welcome... What's the that's the expression? Uh, that's hoop-ball.com. They are at hoopball fantasy on Twitter. Do check them out. Get yourself a fantasy pass. I'm gonna keep saying it here while these last couple of weeks. Get yourself a fantasy pass down the stretch. Use the Discord access so that you can ask us questions. Get into our Discord. If you're on one of our premium services already and you're listening to this podcast and you're not using our Discord service, you're doing it wrong. I know it sounds frightening. I promise you it's not. It's just, a, it's just a room of chat rooms. It's a... Discord is just a very futuristic and terrifying name for a fancy set of chat rooms. It's chat rooms that have permissions on them. So premium members get premium chats with the Hoopball analysts and pros. Those of us that just have to... Don't have to, but we do sit and stare at this stuff all day. 
So you guys don't have to lose your day jobs staring at your own thing. Hoop-ball.com. Click on the premium tab. Get yourself a Fantasy Pass subscription for one month. See if you like it. Love you guys to stick around. We'll help guide you to your fantasy finals and hopefully a trophy at the end of it. Big Wednesday to recap, although again, as we've talked about all week to this point, we're doing it a little bit differently now in that we're not really hunting rest-of-season value. We break down each game from a, is there anyone in here with head-to-head appeal or roto appeal? And when I separate it like that, I basically mean head-to-head appeal is schedule-based appeal. Guys that are going to have a lot of games in a short period of time and actually have the ability to put up some value on a per-game basis. And then on Roto, you're still looking for the best per-game basis at this point in the year, so you can fill out your games cap with dudes that have a lot of extra opportunity. So let's dive into Wednesday's recap. Ton of ball games to get through. We'll try to do it at some kind of reasonable clip, which I say every day and then usually fail to deliver upon. But the Warriors... Blew a late lead in Washington. Russell Westbrook's actually been really good down the stretch in ball games lately. He was awful for like the first 44 minutes of yesterday's game, and then it was just boom, 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 straight to the rim over and over again to cover for the fact that he had a horrific, in terms of efficiency, ball game. How the Wizards won this game, I would say I don't know, except I do very clearly know. Steph Curry had one of his worst shooting games of the year. 18 points on 25 shots. That's about as inefficient as he's been. I think he had one game earlier this year where he was worse. Kent Bazemore was great. Started at shooting guard again, but I don't know that you can trust him. Kelly Oubre is back. Damian Lee was out, and that's kind of why both Oubre and Bazemore were able to do enough to sustain value. But if you look at the Bays game by game and see the sort of back and forth with him, I felt like he was a pretty safe play when Ubre was out, but look, just the previous ball game, he played only 14 minutes against Philly, had two points and two rebounds. I don't care how good yesterday's game was, and it was quite good, by the way, but I don't care how good it was. If you counterbalance that with a goose egg, it isn't good anymore. So Roto, no. Head-to-head, no, because their schedule's not really all that appealing the rest of the way. They don't have any five and sevens. They got a couple of back-to-backs, but those are still a week and a half away. And that's how we break down these players. There's a lot going on there. Uh, Jordan Poole hit six three-pointers. I'll pass on that. And uh, as I've mentioned before, Kevon Looney is actually your closest thing to sort of a roto stat hunting type because he's pretty well locked into 25 minutes a game. And he'll get you about eight boards, which is what he got yesterday, and probably shoot about 55-ish percent or so. And I would think a block. If he's out there for 25, 26 minutes a game. Specialist appeal. Washington side. Denny Avdia badly hurt his ankle. Briefly, it, it looked like something was broken. Jordan Bell came racing out and threw a towel over it. And you know what? I think we actually did get uh, a word that it, there is a fracture. So it wasn't like a, a bone through skin. Even saying it out loud gives me the willies. It wasn't one of those things where like, Jordan Bell threw the towel over his leg or the jersey over his leg because he didn't want anybody to see. It wasn't something horrific to look at, but it does appear that there was some kind of fracture involved. So Avdia is out, presumably for as long as this season goes for Washington. What does that mean? Well, in the very short term, it meant that they went with a heavy, heavy dose of Aul Neto and Davis Bertans in yesterday's ballgame. Davis got extra minutes. Neto got extra touches. But it sounds like Rui Hachimura isn't that far away And so that would kind of push things a little bit back to where they were before. That said, Davis is a go 
This is as healthy as he's looked all season. He's done it now for a couple of weeks, minus I think he had a couple games off for a personal reason. Took him all damn year to get there. We cannot be faulted for not holding on to Davis Bertans through oh, like 60 ball games. That's too long to have to hold somebody. But he is finally looking like the Davis now that we all thought we were getting when we grabbed him towards the beginning of the year. He's, he's you know, top 50 over the last three weeks or so. And I don't know that there's any reason to think that slows down. He finally looks like himself. He's confident. He's firing now. Gets, catches the pass, fires. He's not that worried about whether or not it's going in or not. Neto is a pass for me. And Daniel Gafford is a go. He played 24 minutes in yesterday's game because Alex Len and Robin Lopez were wildly inefficient. They had six turnovers between those two guys and very little else. And it'll be up and down for Gafford because he's fighting with two other centers for playing time. But Washington, in terms of, if you're looking at, so from a Roto standpoint, that's kind of the way we were talking about it there. Uh, I'm not going to talk about the guys that are obviously in or obviously out. We talk about the fringe guys. From a Roto standpoint, Bertans is in and Gafford is in. From a head-to-head standpoint, I think both of those guys are in as well because they're not sitting out games these days. And... Because Washington has a 5-7 and seven coming up starting on Sunday, you could probably, well, keep an eye out for Rui coming back, but you could probably throw a guy like a Neto in there because he is playing close to 30 minutes a game right now. He's not going to do very much. Yesterday was one of his big ones. Those are pretty rare. He's going to be more in that 3-4 assist range, so that was pretty consistent. Probably get you a 3-ball and a steal. And he's sort of like Facundo Campazzo, but for the Washington Wizards instead. So you're, you're hunting these five and sevens because getting five games out of a guy with, you know, top 175 production kind of power boosts him into the top 100 over that seven-game span. That's where that becomes a thing. Chicago at Cleveland. This is a blowout, so I don't want to read too much into the stuff. Thad Young still put up numbers, but in only 17 minutes, so I'd be pretty nervous about rolling him out right now. Kobe White, he's a go. He was actually okay in this ballgame. Vooch was terrible, but he's a go. Those are the only two guys that I fully trust for Chicago right now. Those are the only two. Bulls are finishing up a back-to-back tonight. Their schedule gets lighter for about seven days or so. They have three games over the next seven days after today. Then they have another back-to-back after that, but not really a great opportunity to look for streamers on the Bulls. So if you're talking about the Bulls head-to-head, you're pretty much done with them after tonight. And in Roto, there's really only two guys that I think you trust on a night-to-night basis anyway. What I'm curious about is what they do with their rotations when Zach Levine comes back. Hopefully, that'll be next week. Hopefully. We don't know anything about how his symptoms are with COVID. We do know he has it at this point. Uh, but we just have to wait and see, and hopefully we get an update at some point. Over on the Cleveland side, uh, everybody was there. This is an everybody-in kind of ball game. So Garland, Sexton, those guys are clearly a go in all formats. Kevin Love is very much a go in Roto. He's a little bit more dicey in head-to-head. Cavs have been, we or anyone who's had Love has been fortunate because they've been playing every other day for about a week, and it'll be about a week and a half of that. So he's not sitting any of those games out. Cavs have a 5-7 and seven coming up starting on Sunday. I'm betting Kevin Love sits out two of those five. So that's a little crummy. I think three from Love right now is probably still enough. But what that 5-7 and seven does... By the way, Jared Allen is a start. Larry Nance is a start in Roto or head-to-head. 
So this team has a lot of very obvious in options. The stuff that's less obvious is what do we do with that five and seven? You probably could throw Isaac Okoro into the mix, and you probably could throw Torian Prince into the mix for just that five and seven. Those guys don't make the cut anywhere else. Oklahoma City at Indiana. Again, I'm going to try to do this pretty quick, so very few breaths in between ballgames. Moses Brown double-doubled, but he played only 17 minutes. He's not a go at the moment in any format for me. He is a go for their five-game week in head-to-head next week. And let's just go through the players on this team in the two different ways. From a Roto standpoint, Lou Dort is, I think, the only one you're using. Because everybody else has these giant gaping issues in their fantasy game. Darius Baisley can sink your percentages. You don't get to wipe those away at the end of the week, and the counting stats aren't enough to counterbalance that. Alex Ipokoshevsky has been close, but he also has those same issues. Theo Maladon has those same issues. These guys are percentage killers. It sounded like Isaiah Roby was dealing with a toe thing, but he played through it and played 28 minutes. He's not a roto guy. Kenrich Williams is, I might even argue, I know Svi Mikhailuk had a pretty good ball game yesterday, but I might argue that Kenrich Williams is actually your second closest roto guy behind Lou Dort. But no, I think I'll put him on the shelf as well. Uh, none of these guys have really been, frankly, yeah, I mean, like they haven't even really been all that close. Kenny Hustle. You do have to love the hustle. Get that nickname because you do what? You hustle. However, however, because this team is rotating bodies in and out, we don't really know who's going to play for them on a night-to-night basis. Although, you know, watching some of their recent back-to-backs, like this most recent Sunday-Monday, gave us some indicator of what was going on there. Well, guess what? They got another five-gamer coming up starting on Monday. So you don't really want to pick them up before then. Oklahoma City is a team you might use some moves on early next week, or if you're very fortunate, I guess you could do it late this week. But, ugh, these guys are not very good. This team is made up of almost all dudes that are only good when they go five and seven days. I would probably put Kenny Hustle, uh, Poku if he's healthy, Maladone, Baisley, all of those guys I think are probably good to go in a five-week, in a five-game week, and not at all outside of that. Darius Baisley, by the way, in points leagues, you can trot him out there every game. He's doing enough in that format. Indiana side, they had no centers left, so they signed O'Shea Brissett, and he played 42 damn minutes and had a huge one. But it won't last. Jakar Sampson's back after one game suspension for their next one. Those guys will probably split the center minutes, if I had to guess, which means neither one of them is going to be too useful. What we're waiting on is to find out if Goga Batadze comes back before Demontis Sabonis. If he does, stream the hell out of Batadze. And if he doesn't, well, then Sabonis is just going to blow all these guys right out of usage value or usage land or whatever you want to call it. And things go kind of back to normal at that point. Justin Holiday still only took nine shots, but six cash counters. Shout out Aaron Bruski on cash counters. Justin Holiday is probably usable in all formats uh, while all of these guys are out. Indy's off for a couple of days, so not exactly a great time to bring up the Pacers. They go Saturday, Sunday of this week, which is kind of cool if you want to get some games over the weekend. Uh, but, you know, stay stay tuned in to the injury report. They have some very obvious guys that are go. I'm willing to say that my Karis Levert projections are off, but I'm also willing to point out that they're off because the whole team is out. 
I didn't predict that. I was wrong on that front. Levert as a fourth option was very much a sell high. Levert as the number one or number two option, well, yeah, he's going he's gonna to dominate because he's a usage-based fantasy player. So, you know, my bad, I guess. I didn't know that Demonis Sabonis, Miles Turner, and for a stretch, Malcolm Brogdon were all going to be out. I know Brogdon's back now. And Doug McDermott's out, and Jeremy Lamb is out. The whole damn team is out. So, sure, yeah, anybody that's left over is going to be doing some pretty heavy lifting, as evidenced by the fact that O'Shea Brissett, who didn't even have a roster slot yesterday, had a top 20 fantasy night. Hello, and good day to you. So, yeah, anybody who's playing 30 minutes on this team right now, you got to get them in your lineup, regardless of format. But you can't make a move on them today because they don't play for a couple. Phoenix beat Philadelphia. Chris Paul was very good once again. Devin Booker, slow once again. I mean, this is... What a weird thing that happened to this to this basketball team. Devin Booker has become basically just an efficient scorer and nothing else. Very little else. Chris Paul has rendered Booker I don't not like he hasn't been bad. I mean he's still a good basketball player. But the things he was being forced to do for this team, the things that made him a fantasy asset last year, he doesn't have to do them anymore. And it was a little bit outside of his comfort zone. Meanwhile, Chris Paul is number 23 on a per-game basis. He's played in 57 ball games, ladies and germs. And Chris Paul, by totals, in 9-cat, is number 6. You want to talk about a huge win for the old man squad? Chris Paul on a back-to-back. That blew me away. That blew me away. Remember we were talking about that before the season started? I was like, how is Chris Paul still going in the third round? How's this still happening? (laughs) I couldn't figure. He should have been bumped up a bunch, and he just wasn't. But whatever. We're not going to get sidetracked with that stuff. Phoenix is actually a tiny bit interesting today because Jay Crowder turned his ankle and has already been ruled out for what I believe is a back-to-back. Am I getting that right? Yeah, they go back-to-back today. They're in Boston, and then they have two days off. So It's probably too late for many of you, but Cam Johnson should probably be interesting for one game. Probably not more than that, but he's shown himself to be a relatively efficient scorer, and he'll see more playing time. As we saw yesterday, he played 30 minutes in that ballgame after Crowder went down in the second quarter. And uh, so you could stream Cam Johnson. Meanwhile, over on the Sixers side, Joel Embiid was questionable. He ended up playing. And he had a big ball game in a defeat. Tyrese Maxey kind of came out of nowhere for a decent one. Danny Green is just clubbing right now. He's clubbing everybody. He's having a hell of a run. Because anytime anyone's out for that team, Green gets a small bump. He took 14 shots, second most field goal attempts on the team yesterday. Danny Green, of all people. I do think Furkan Korkmaz probably ends up better in their next ball game. He just sort of wasn't that great in this one, and they needed something different from that spot on the floor. But I would continue to stream Korkmaz as long as Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris are out. If one of those guys comes back, I probably don't stream Korkmaz anymore. I think I might consider still doing it on Matisse Thibault because that dude, anytime he starts, he gets you four defensive stats or more. And defensive stats are a really big deal. Even in a playoff hunt. Oh, no, I need the you know, points, the rebounds, whatever. But what if that dude comes in and helps you win two categories with a quick stream? Philly's schedule's not bad. They have four games this week, two left today and uh, Saturday. 
Four games next week, spaced out. They go every other day, starting today, actually. Until Sunday of next week, they actually start a 5-7. and seven. So there may be something going on there, but we'll see who's healthy enough at that point. A lot left to do here. Brooklyn at Toronto. We talked a lot about Brooklyn because they played Tuesday also. No real changes there. Uh, with James Harden out for a little while, Bruce Brown is a terrific stream. I think Landry Shamit will generally be better than this. He just couldn't shoot last night in Toronto, but got 17 attempts. That's what you like to see. So Shamit, Brown, Harris, Kyrie. I don't think I'm doing much at the big man spot. You could stream DeAndre Jordan if you really were rebound hunting and field goal percent hunting. It's a bit of that Kevon Looney thing, but Jordan's not starting, so that makes it a little bit more concerning. I'm I'm keeping the Shamit and the Brown stuff basically all the way through next week. Then they have a three-game week and a four-game week to close. Then you kind of move on at that point. But those guys are, right now, they're good enough to just use them. I have some concern that KD's return will hurt Landry Shamit because he won't be getting 15, 17, whatever shots a game. And he needs those shots to hit value because he's a three-point shooter by trade. Uh, but until we hear anything about Kevin Durant coming back, you can just sort of roll with it. Meanwhile, on the Toronto side, one of two pretty good injuries that happened yesterday. Chris Boucher sprained his knee after playing, uh, actually not that much. He was relegated to something of a bench role in yesterday's game. But he was probably going to play another seven or eight minutes, if I had to guess. Something in that neck of the woods. And so you take those out of the mix. And a lot of it went to Freddie Gillespie. But there's a lot going on with Toronto. So let's, let's break down the Raptors' briefly luckily the game after this one we don't have a whole lot to talk about Siakam Ananobi Van Vliet Lowry all of those guys were back started and played big starters minutes great fire them up it seems like the Raptors may have been resting their key guys because they were just too damn tired to keep up with the modern NBA they were so completely wiped from COVID from having to overextend themselves when other guys were out that the Raptors were like you know what you guys take a week off We'll figure this thing out. If we lose, we lose. If we win, we win. Great. And they won. They beat some bad teams while those starters were out. And now they can bring them back and, and run them. I'm inclined to think that these guys play in the Raptors five games in seven nights next week. I think they will. I think you also have to give Gary Trent Jr. a little bit of leash if you're in a points league, especially with the five and seven games coming up next week. And Kem Birch and Freddie Gillespie probably both hit fantasy value in a five-game week. Gillespie more of the field goal percent blockmeister. Birch a little bit more in the finesse big man spot. He'll roll into a block or a steal every once in a while, but it's not really his game. Some boards, a little bit of passing. He's better passing big man, so that'll fit with the Raptors starting unit where they don't need, you know, they need positional defense. They need hustle. They need rebounding, that kind of stuff. So I think Birch, you know, the Raptors have such a terrible schedule this week that we don't have to get too thick into the weeds they're off for two days and they play Saturday but if you wanted to get a jump on the Raptors five game week you could pick up one of these dudes on Saturday morning Birch uh, or Gillespie and kind of see how that goes and then you'll know if there's any reason to hold on to them into next week you'll get something out of them too it won't be a goose egg Utah-Houston, um, nothing really on the Utah side. Houston, Kevin Porter Jr. is into protocols. I would give it one more day to get an update on him. Find out if he's actually in there for a week or two or if this was a quick exposure and maybe we'd find out the other person doesn't have it. Could he be back in like one game? If it's a week and you're in head-to-head, -head, you probably have to drop. In Roto, you 
probably just hold on. But if you're looking for a possible replacement, I don't have great news for you guys there. Rockets do have a back-to-back tomorrow, Saturday, and they go four games next week, so maybe there's something that emerges. But looking at the numbers from yesterday, K.J. Martin played 29 minutes. That's probably your closest thing to a non-starter worth looking at. Armani Brooks played 35 minutes as a starter and went 2-for-11 shooting, both from downtown. You could probably watch that. I don't think that I would take a shot on Brooks in their next ballgame. If you're going to take a shot on anyone, it's K.J. Martin. That's the shot. But Houston's schedule doesn't really lend itself to learning much. But on the Kevin Porter Jr. thing, wait one more day. Wait one more day, and then, look, you still have plenty of dudes that it can go two times the rest of the week if you drop him tomorrow. Atlanta, New York, this was the other very large injury and bigger, I would argue. Trey Young badly turned his ankle, had to leave the ball game, and the whole game exploded. I actually had a bet on the Hawks, and they were up like, what are they, up like nine? Knicks tied it, went to overtime, Knicks won it by ten. There was like a 19-point swing or something like that after Trey Young got hurt. Clint Capella also hurt his back in this ball game, so there's a lot going on with Atlanta from a roto standpoint, they're off today. They play tomorrow. And then on Sunday, the Hawks start a five in seven. So, so while we wait on the Trey Young news, which I'm sure will be coming at some point, I reckon he'll be getting an MRI today. If we find out that he's out for a couple of weeks, I would very much get a jump on a guy like a Brandon Goodwin in head to head. In roto, I think you pick him up anyway. Pick up Goodwin anyway. And. Because John Collins is back, I don't think you have to do quite as much on the big man side. Collins will likely just slide over. He'll play more center. Uh, Okongwu, you know, he'll get a bump. He'll get a bump, but it won't be enough. They'll just go small if Capella has to miss any time with his back issue. So I wouldn't do a whole lot on the big man side. I would very much explore the little man side. Lou Williams is going to do more. Brandon Goodwin's going to do a whole heck of a lot more. He started the last time Young was out. And I would venture to guess he'll start again because they want Lou Williams scoring in the second unit. Goodwin actually put up some pretty good numbers during those games that uh, Trey missed with a sore knee last week. Yeah, I think it was last week. Wasn't that long ago. So Goodwin is an ad in Roto. No question about that. That's a, you know, stop the podcast, go out, pick him up in your Roto league. In head-to-head, I can almost never advocate picking up a guy who doesn't have a game that night. And the Hawks don't play tonight. So don't drop someone who's playing for someone who isn't playing. That's a way to set yourself back. Tomorrow, however, because everyone in the league has either one or two games the rest of the way, Friday through Sunday, you could make an argument to pick up a Hawk tomorrow in head-to-head. And it would either be Goodwin or Sweet Lou, depending on what categories you're hunting. Goodwin, I think, would probably be the better overall fantasy player because the last time Trey was out, he played 37 minutes in both of the games. Had 17, 5, and 8 in one of them. At 18, 5, and 3 in a couple of steals in the other. He actually hit a bunch of three-pointers. Missed a bunch of free throws, which was uh, odd. Because his first two seasons in the NBA, he was an 82 and 93 percenter. So I'm assuming it's the magic of small sample size. But what the hell do I know? So tomorrow, I think I would pick up Brandon Goodwin in head-to-head. Roto, I would pick him up today. I wouldn't wait around on it. And uh, with Lou Williams, I don't know that you really have to get a huge jump on it. Points leagues, he has some appeal more so than category leagues. He's a guy I would look at on maybe Sunday if you need some free throw numbers. 
but his role actually didn't change that much when Trey Young was out. Maybe an extra shot, but barely, if any. He's kind of the same guy regardless. He's probably going to be hovering near oh, 10, 11 points with Atlanta. Just sort of a lack of role. 11 points, 3 assists, free throw stuff. It's, it's really free throws. If you're hunting free throws, that's your angle. The Knicks, uh, Taj Gibson got popped in the eye in that ball game. He only played nine minutes. That was great for our Nerlens Noel stuff. Not great for those of us, and I got lucky, actually. I think I didn't put him in my lineup. I was going to stream Taj Gibson on uh, one or two spots where I do need rebounds and uh, some blocks and a good field goal percent from a, a center that's not going to tank my free throws. But I got lucky I didn't start him yesterday. I think he'll be fine. This didn't sound like a big deal. So if you need those stats, you can do it. Derrick Rose is, is going, man. He, he hit his marker. He looks like himself. This is what we wanted a month and a half ago. Freaking COVID, man. We could have been riding Derrick Rose this whole way through under Tom Thibodeau. So sad. Uh, Nick's schedule is atrocious, though. So uh, Derrick Rose, useful in Roto. All the guys I'm talking about in the Knicks are exclusively Roto at this point. You're not picking up any fringe guys to stream them in head-to-head. And unfortunately, even with Derrick Rose playing well, he does fall kind of near the fringe. Reggie Bullock, by the way, I would keep him going, but I'm okay with you guys treating him as a streaming-level guy. Also, he's been a little bit better than that, but I get it. The Knicks' schedule is terrible, so in head-to-head, because they don't play very many games, if you need to move on, that's okay. Julius Randle, Nerlens Noel, those are the two guys on this roster in category leagues that you hang on to regardless of format. Everybody else, I can make an argument on both sides, and so I wouldn't fault you, no matter which way you went. Detroit played their old guys and gave Dallas a pretty good run for their money. Mavs were able to pull away a bit late. Maxi Kleber left Kleba, excuse me, left with a back contusion. Kristaps Porzingis played well, but may or may not play tonight. We'll break down that Lakers-Mavs game here coming up in a few minutes. Mason Plumlee, big game. Corey Joseph, big game. Josh Jackson, medium game. Sadiq Bey, medium game. Jeremy Grant, decent one. And Isaiah Stewart, not very good. I mean, this was this is why I kept saying that Pistons are just not trustworthy because even when the veterans go, I didn't know if they were going to play enough minutes to matter. This was the front end of a back-to-back for the Pistons. So I'm assuming that by the time this podcast is in your earballs, that Plumlee, Kojo, and Wayne Ellington will have been ruled out. Maybe Jeremy Grant also. But I don't know. Maybe they play those guys again. Who the hell knows? Killian Hayes will play in the second half of the back-to-back. That's something we can confidently say will be happening tonight. And I feel pretty confident in saying Plumlee, Corey Joseph, and Ellington are going to sit it out, but I really don't know for sure. So the Pistons are made up of guys that are pretty much split. A lot of Roto guys and very few head-to-head. Mason Plumley, if you find out he's starting, you can use him in Roto. Corey Joseph, if you find out he's starting, you can use him in Roto. Killian Hayes, if you find out he's starting, you can use him in Roto. I wouldn't start any of those guys in head-to-head. I wouldn't add him in head-to-head because Detroit, whether their schedule is good or not, those guys are playing at most about three games a week. Those guys are not good enough to use on a a three-game-a-week clip. On the head-to-head side, I do still think Isaiah Stewart is probably worth using. This game was not awful for him. It was bad. But you pair that up with the other half of a back-to-back where Plumlee is sitting, and so now you're getting a pretty good clip 
of basketball games. For Detroit, by the way, tonight ends their 5-7 and seven run. So all of this discussion probably moot. You're done with the Pistons from a head-to-head standpoint after tonight. Uh, and you're looking at guys from a roto standpoint, which unfortunately for Isaiah Stewart, he probably isn't a terrific roto guy when the Pistons don't have an overloaded schedule, which they once again do, not next week, but finals week, May 3rd, Pistons go five games. So put all of this in your Rolodex for later in head-to-head. For roto right now, you've got these veterans and you just trot them out there on the days they're playing, basically. Dallas, uh, not that dissimilar, actually. Kind of the flip where they have almost no one who's useful in Roto because none of these guys are very good from a per-game basis other than KP and Luka. But then they've got all these guys that are right on the fringe and have a five-game week next week and go two times the rest of this week. So Mavericks, not the best scheduling scenario here coming up. Boston, Charlotte. Uh, Milwaukee, I believe. Those three teams still have three games left the rest of this week. So if you're making a roster move today, you're probably not doing it to get a Dallas Maverick. You're probably doing it to get someone on one of those three teams. And even on Saturday when the Mavs play the Lakers again, uh, you... Uh, there's there I think Indy what do we Indy was one of them I might be the only one Indiana's got the back-to-back no Milwaukee has the back-to-back Saturday Sunday also so no matter what way you're looking at it with the Mavericks there's opportunities to get more games this week with their fringe guys but Jalen Brunson he's on a little heater right now Dorian Finney-Smith Josh Richardson Tim Hardaway I can make a pretty good argument that all of those guys are worth using in their five-game week Miami on the Head-to-head side, very little. Their schedule lightened up as of... No, that's like not entirely true, because they still have one more back-to-back tomorrow and Saturday, so their schedule hasn't completely lightened up yet, but it does a bit after that. They go two games over the following six days. Uh, you know me, I don't like to make head-to-head moves just for the back-to-back, but if you're in that crowd, Ariza, D-Rob, Hero, Nun, Dragic, you could, you could trot any of those guys out in a back-to-back if you wanted to. Roto's standpoint, it's Bam and Jimmy. That's it right now. And Kendrick Nunn is the, uh, and, and Duncan Robinson are kind of the two closest, if you're stat hunting, particular category. San Antonio, blown out, so whatever was going right for the Spurs ran out pretty quick. Jakob Pertl had a big ball game, so that's good. But nothing changes for the Spurs. They are a non-factor in fantasy. Memphis, there's a nice story. You can juxtapose that with all the terrible injury stuff. Jaron Jackson Jr. made his return, his debut, played 18 terrific minutes, had 15 points, 8 boards, and 4 blocks, made all 6 of his free throw attempts. Uh, Just a fantastic game. The question, of course, that we all ask is, how did the minutes ramp up? And how long does the adrenaline carry him before the rust overwhelms it? It's coming, but you know you can see here that all he really needs is 20 minutes to be fantasy successful. So you can start JJJ anytime he's playing. Doubt he'll be playing in back-to-backs, and that sucks because Memphis starts a 5-7 and seven on Sunday. And that makes him... I think you still use him even in a three-game stretch. If you've been holding him this whole time, you're still going to use him. But Memphis has some question marks. When does Jonas Valanciunas return? If Jonas is out for any stretch of time, Xavier Tillman becomes a really interesting head-to-head stream. He's already a roto play. Slow-mo is going to lose out because Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to take some of those power forward minutes from him. So he now falls back probably more towards streamer territory. 
Desmond Bain, Brandon Clark, uh, Grayson Allen, D'Anthony Melton, who had a slow ball game yesterday, Dylan Brooks. Those guys are all good to go in a 5-7 and seven run. And then the Roto guys are... I'm going to put Melton in there, even though his minutes are going to bounce around and it's going to be horrendous to deal with it. But Melton, Ja, I guess we got to go Ja. He's in tough gear, though, man. Um, Tillman, as long as JV is out, then obviously JV when he comes back. And uh, JJJ, that's your Roto list. Clippers rested everybody, so just don't even pay attention to this ballgame. And their schedule stinks. Minnesota, Sacramento, that's when it came down to the stretch. Again, Kings were able to barely prevail. Buddy Heald, De'Aaron Fox had better ball games. Tyrese Halliburton, we're getting a lot of drop questions on him. The answer was a resounding no. Damian Jones, much better at center in this game than Hassan Whiteside, and really much better at basketball at this point than Hassan Whiteside. And it threw this game for a loop because the Kings realized they needed to play a center on Carl Anthony Towns. And all the stuff we talked about on yesterday's pod, oh, DeLon Wright, Terrence Davis, Mo Harkless, all these guys getting huge minutes because the Kings went small. Poof! Gone. Brutal. DeLon Wright, horrible game. Yeah, I used up a games cap on that, and I am not happy about it. So, uh, lack of consistency here, and I don't know, do the Kings stay with Damian Jones in the next ballgame? I really don't know. From a head-to-head standpoint, it doesn't matter because they don't play for three days. So screw them at this point. On a Roto standpoint, is anyone besides the key guys worth holding on to? Key guys being Barnes, Halliburton, Fox, and Heald. Those guys are a go no matter your format. And I think the answer to Roto is no. You can drop Whiteside uh, unless you desperately need big man stats. And he'll probably play more against an opposing big man who's not as good as Cat. But if he really is losing his grip on that gig to Damian Jones, then no. And it sounds like Rashawn Holmes, they want to have him back relatively soon. He's starting to ramp up his activity. He might even be back for the next ballgame. I doubt that, but close enough that any guesses we're making on a Thursday about their next game on a Sunday is not useful. So screw it. And then finally, Denver beat Portland in a last-second affair. Uh, Damian Lillard back for the Blazers, so they're now in a start-the-starters mode. Plus, maybe Ennis Cantor. Certainly Ennis Counter when uh, Nurk sits out of back-to-back, so don't... I wouldn't drop Cantor and Roto. He's still going to have some games here where he's fantasy useful. The Blazers have a back-to-back each of the last three weeks, so that'll be three huge games for Ennis. Uh, actually, they have four. Excuse me, they have four left, so at least four giant games for Cantor and Roto, and then he's been serviceable. Uh, even when Nurk was playing. Denver side. We got some information here, actually. This is this was useful. The Nuggets tomorrow start a five and seven stretch. They're sort it's a weird schedule, I know. Um you can get two games out of them the rest of this week, and then they play three of the first four days next week, which if you're fighting hard this week and you're hoping to keep going again the uh a guy like a Facundo Campazzo is actually a really interesting stream starting tomorrow even PJ Dozier is kind of an interesting stream starting tomorrow Will Barton had an inefficient ball game that's much worry about there Aaron Gordon was a little bit better I mean you're using him at this point once when when Jamal Murray went down you kind of had to use all the other main guys on this team. Barton, Porter Jr., Jokic, Gordon. I think those guys are startable 
in most formats. But then I think with the five and seven coming up, Campazzo uh, and Dozier are are probably worth using for that week, that seven day span. Folks, make sure to check out our buddies over at manscaped.com. There's really interesting stuff coming up. You know what I'm going to tell you? I'm going to say don't get uh don't get the lawnmower right now. But I can't tell you why. I can't tell you why. <laughs> get something else over at Manscaped. Just browse. Get a pair of boxers. Get an uh the nose hair trimmer, the weed whacker, get the shears. The plow, that's the straight razor or the uh, the single blade razor with replacement blades. Get one of those other cool things. Use coupon code HOOPBALL20, but don't get the lawnmower 3.0. I can't tell you why. You can probably guess, but I can't tell you why. Get something else over at manscaped.com. Coupon code again, HOOPBALL20, 20% off and free shipping. That's a really good deal that they've attached to our coupon code. And you don't get it through stuff on their website. I know they run deals every once in a while for free shipping, but if you want them both, free shipping and 20% off, you got to use our coupon code. That's HoopBall20. A lot of you have gotten stuff from them, and you've all come back and said it's awesome. And we feel that way too. They just they took something that we all sort of assumed kind of is what it is, meaning trimmers, and made them markedly better. And then came up with hilarious marketing to make sure that people knew it was better, or at least tried it. I promise if you try it, you will be flabbergasted that the pinch-free claim is true. Seems impossible, but it really is. It's great. Manscaped.com, coupon code HOOPBALL20. Go check that out right away. Short Thursday card. Thank goodness we got through the recap. That was a hefty one. Phoenix, Boston. Cam Johnson was the guy we were talking about. On the Boston side, it sounds like Kemba Walker is in... I think most of the guys on Boston are in except for the Time Lords. You could still stream a Tristan Thompson if you wanted to here, if you're rebound hunting by any chance. New Orleans, Orlando. Here's the thing about the look-aheads at this point. Like, you've made your moves. We've already done our streaming. And the teams that we talked about starting streams today are, I think, the only ones we should really discuss on the podcast. Those teams are Boston... And Charlotte, those are the teams that if you're making a move today are the ones you're probably targeting because they still have three games left the rest of this week, including a back-to-back today and tomorrow. So it leaves you a couple of streaming opportunities. And then everything else we're doing is almost exclusively injury-related. So, all right, look, we've talked about basically all of these guys. Boston, we haven't talked about that much today. Uh, If Kemba Walker is back, which it sounds like he will be, he'll probably sit out the second half of the back-to-back then. Marcus Smart, if he's good to go, and if everybody's good to go besides Tristan Thompson, then that's really the only question mark. It doesn't sound like Robert Williams is super close. I would wait until closer to game time to get an update on that, but if if we hear that he's he's ruled out a few hours in advance and Boston has this back-to-back, that means he probably wouldn't play again tomorrow. At that point, you kind of have to move on if you're in your playoffs. Not if you're in Roto. None of, the, none of this stuff that I'm talking about moving on. That's not Roto. This is the head-to-head where you're taking a zero and it's hurting you. New Orleans, keep an eye on Najee Marshall. If, he's, if, if they basically shut down Eric Bledsoe at some point, then Marshall becomes kind of an interesting potential play in, in many formats. Their schedule's not that great until the middle of next week, so it'll be more for Roto purposes here in the short term, but keep an eye on that. 
Orlando, their schedule gets a lot better starting on Sunday. They play today, then they're off for two days. But we might get an update on Terrence Ross. That would be interesting to know because that would kind of change the way guys like Dwayne Bacon are viewed. Um, Bamba, Wendell Carter Jr., that doesn't change them all that much, but that's something to keep an eye on in Orlando as well. Uh, but you're not like this isn't a team you're making a play on right now because their schedule is just not that great the rest of this week. If you picked up a Magic today, you're probably dropping them tomorrow. Philly, Milwaukee, it comes down to the injury stuff on the Philly side. Milwaukee's got a good schedule, but there's sort of no one worth using that's on the waiver wire. Maybe uh, Dante DiVincenzo for head to head if he's been dropped somewhere. Otherwise, feh. Detroit, it's all about who's playing. We talked about them a bunch. Spurs. We talked about them. Uh, Chicago and Dallas, we've discussed them as well. So let's talk Charlotte and L.A. before we wrap things up on today's podcast. The Hornets, um, they have a back-to-back coming up today and tomorrow at Chicago hosting Cleveland. And that's a pretty good time to rack up some stats. But as we've talked about before, pretty much everyone on this team that's worth rostering is rostered at this point. So the key guys... They're rostered. And then the non-key guy, which would be like a Jalen McDaniels, is probably also rostered. So I don't think there's a whole lot we can do in most leagues. But if any of those guys is on the wire, you pick them up this second because they start in 5-7 and tonight. And the Lakers, who are not a schedule streamer because they go every other day from now until next Sunday when they do finally have a back-to-back. So, no, you're not head-to-head streaming any of these guys. But Anthony Davis, likely to make his return tonight. Missed, uh, sheesh, two months? It's been more than that, I think, right? Two and a half months? Good God. If your fantasy team somehow survived having Anthony Davis on your bench for two and a half months, more power to you. If you traded for him two and a half weeks ago when we said, here's a harebrained idea, wow, uh, my guess is he'll play about as many minutes as Jaron Jackson Jr. did, 18-ish. And guess what? He probably will be a fantasy value in 18 minutes because look at the other dudes that are supposed to take shots on that team. They're going to force-feed AD. He's going to get all he can handle on offense in whatever minutes he's on the court. I don't know about defensive stats and rebounding. My guess is that he's not going to be bruising his way around on that side, not with Andre Drummond nearby. But you know what? I don't care. I'm starting him because he's Anthony Davis. And as far as the rest of the Lakers go, I'd be very surprised if anyone besides AD and Schroeder had value. Maybe Contavious Caldwell-Pope, because he's been on a crazy three-point heater, but that's a short-term thing also. So from a Roto standpoint, KCP's your stat-hunting guy, Schroeder is your good-enough-to-start guy, and then AD is the question mark. But in head-to-head, buyer beware. This team's schedule is not good. And that is your Thursday show. Tomorrow, uh, I'll try to set you up for another week of streaming stuff. But again, last Friday, we kind of did the full look-ahead streamer, so we won't go quite as in-depth. I don't think it'll be like a 75-minute podcast again. Uh, But I say that every day, and then I end up going 50 anyway. What's this one? 47, 48, something like that? Doesn't matter. Check out Manscaped.com again. Hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. If you want to break into the industry, this is a great time to do it. It's when other people aren't trying to do it. If I told you, you could apply to break into an industry you've been thinking about, dreaming about, whatever, and if you do it at one point of the year, you're going to fight with 49 other people. 
And if you do it at another point of the year, you're going to fight with four other people. Which one would you pick? Yeah. I'm Dan Vespers. Thanks for listening, everybody. This was Fantasy NBA Today, a hoopball presentation. Have a great day. Back at you tomorrow. So long. This has been a hoopball presentation.